Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Oh yeah, I could, I could sit here for a while with that music. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, the America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner and sponsor, Tayback Law Firm, LLC. Uh, Tayback for the payback. Make sure you go with them because they are on the money and they make sure that veterans are being taken care of properly. Today is Saturday, February 19, 2022, and February is Black History and American Heart Month. Uh, we just went through Valentine's Day. Take care of that heart your loved one's hearts, and your own. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm the co-host, Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Uh, Digital media producer is the iconic Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And today we have someone I love to talk to all the time, and this is Monica Ireland Karras. She is the Veterans Benefit Attorney with uh, Tayback Law Firm, based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with offices located across the United States. Uh, Today's discussion is black veterans' disparities in eligibility and qualifying for their benefits. How are you doing, uh, Monica? It's always a pleasure speaking to you. Oh, it's a pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. I'm very good. Thank you. Um, yes, I understand we've been talking about the disparities that our African-American servicemen have uh, faced, servicemen and women, and, and certainly uh, this is an issue that needs to be talked about. Um, you know, one of the things that is often looked at when you go for your VA benefits is they want to know that whatever you're claiming um, is wrong with you is service-connected. And for some of our veterans, um, service was quite a long time ago. And what the VA does is they say, well, you haven't treated, you know, in 20 years or so, um, how can I prove that this is a service-connected injury? Um, And that's very hard for people who don't have health insurance that haven't had um, steady income, they haven't had jobs, they've suffered from homelessness, you know, um, supplying things like records um, is not their number one priority when they're trying to put food on the table for their family or a roof over their head. So it certainly is one of the challenges um, that many people face with the VA when trying to get their benefits. Um, ways of overcoming that are getting statements um, from, you can either write a statement yourself called a lay statement, get statements from people who know you, specifically if you still know people that you served with um, that can attest to your injury back when you were in service. But, you know, these are hurdles that um, our service members have to overcome when they're trying to make a claim for service-connected injuries. Right, right. You know, and, and when you were saying that, I was just thinking about um, even joining the service when you're, uh, you know, actually on the battlefield or if you're uh, just uh, here in the States and you are on a regular drill. Um, I was thinking, uh, you know, earlier we were talking about this particular issue about, you know, equity, justice, and equality. And uh, so when when sometimes when people go in, and we were talking about just in the general health care system, there are dis- uh, disparities based on, 
uh, implicit bias and those kinds of things yes. where, you know, African-American women have a higher de- uh, mortality rate who are pregnant, right, um, and three times the nas- you know, national average of uh, deaths for, for white women. And uh, so not being paid attention to, I think that may enter it into the service uh, arena, too, when uh, African-American goes and sits in front of a provider who has that usually their back to them because they're looking at a computer screen for five minutes instead of, you know, paying attention to the person in general. But especially, you know, for the, the African-American, whether they take them seriously or think that they're, uh, you know, talking about pain that, that doesn't exist or, you know, you should be able to handle that kind of pain because you're African-American. They actually did studies where they said that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of providers thought that African-Americans had a higher pain tolerance, so they didn't need as much, pain, you know, pain medication. So, you know, that, you know, that factors into how they're being perceived when they actually go for just regular routine care in the VA system, but also in the comp and pen exam world, I guess. Uh, Dr. Arnold, that just it makes me so angry. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. makes me angry. Um, you're correct. My, my um, dealings with African-American females, whether it's... Um, sexual trauma or even things such as, you know, endometriosis that developed during service, they are dismissed so quickly, both in service and after service. And it's really just disheartening. Um, I, I have personally experienced having to work on those cases extra hard um, in order to get the um, attention that we need. Um, so certainly, you know, take up people like me um, that can help your fight um, you talk to your veteran service officer, anything we can do to help you here. I'm glad we're having these conversations. I'm glad these conversations are happening. I'm glad we can at least, at the very least, bring to the forefront front the implicit biases that um, exist um, because I think a lot of people don't understand what that is. Um, and I think a lot of people don't want to understand what that is until you really explain it to them. So I'm really glad that, um, you know, we're in fact having these conversations. But unfortunately, yes, my experience has been that our service members um, are treated certainly differently at the VA hospitals and clinics. Um, so, you know, let's, let's, be the, let's be the change that the world needs to see, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and it's not like the, uh, you know, everything is uh, terrible in the VA system. But we have to, you know, if, if I were doing any kind of operative procedure or if I were treating someone for heart disease or, you know, putting stents in for cardiac bypass, we, we always uh, analyze what we're doing that could be in the better interest of the patient that we're serving. And if implicit bias is one of those things that's getting in the way, we need to address it. We need to talk about uh, doing no harm first. And and, and if, if, if something we're doing is causing harm, we need to root it out and uh, and move on from there. And uh, most people who've gone through that kind of sensitivity training and understand what the implicit bias is, all of us have it, first of all, in one form or another. And it's just that in this particular arena, it's particularly harmful when we're dealing with patients, and especially those who were veterans who served or who are, who are homeless veterans or uh, women veterans, just like you were saying. So it's not this, you know, to cast this big uh, I got you kind of thing on people. That's not what the purpose of it is. It's really how do we get by this and how do we, you know, build a stronger, uh, stronger nation. Uh, that's what we were, we were founded on. Absolutely. And, you know, I think um, 
I think sometimes with implicit bias, we don't even realize. So this is kind of a funny story. Um, you know, I've had to go, most of the work that I do is in the regional office, but from time to time I do have to go into the hospitals for things. And I was at the hospital, and they had all of these posters up that said, do not catcall, whistle, tell a woman to smile. Um, and I just, and there, there mm. was just this list. And it made me laugh because I thought, well, doesn't everybody know that? <laughs> Isn't that something that just everybody knows that you don't do? But apparently they need to have posters all over um, to remind people not to whistle at women and catcall. And, and I mean, this is, you know, within the last year. So wow. I think that there's things out there that, you know, we take for granted Um that we that you just shouldn't do whether whether we were raised right or just know better now. Right, right. <laughs> so I just think it, it's funny um, that you know there are some things that we take for granted that we think maybe everybody knows that they don't. So these conversations are certainly um, needed to be had because um, whether one way or another, whether you think people know or whether people don't think they need to know, <laughs> you know. So. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 I guess funny, but but not funny. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> one of the things <laughs> that we probably should talk about is you know if you have a um, a claim pending anywhere in the VA system for a service connected disability, um, there are ways to what's called expedite your claim, and one of those ways is through a claim for homelessness or the verge of homelessness, and. Lately, I have not had to prove that. Sometimes they ask for copies of past due bills or eviction notices or things like that. Lately, I've just been writing a letter that says that the veteran is on the verge of homelessness or financial hardship due to, um, you know, falling behind on mortgages, um, being threatened with evictions, having their cars repossessed, not being able to pay their water bill or their sewer bill. Sometimes if you can just um, tell the VA what the household income is, if it falls below um, the national poverty guidelines, um, you know, sometimes that's helpful too. So there are ways to kind of flag your account if you're asking for a service-connected disability, if you are suffering a financial hardship. Um, The other things that will expedite your um, claim are if you are over 75 years old or if you have a very serious illness. So those things are important to bring to the attention of VA if you have a disability claim pending. Okay, great. Uh, you know, and, and I was just thinking while you were saying that, do you want to give the phone number and your, um, you know, uh, online, uh, you know, email address? Uh, because, um, you know, you know, I, you know, I'm actually a client of that uh, your institution as well, and I've been treated yeah. very well. And uh, so I'm really happy with the services, but I think everyone should be taking part of that. <laughs> so, so if you can give that yeah, to the veterans, yeah. <laughs> um, the phone number to call, um, the best number right now is 414-375-1642, 414-375-1642. Our website is Tayback Attorneys, T-A-B-A-K. A T T O R N E Y S dot com. And there you can find more information about our services as far as um, the veterans that we help. 
Um, additionally, we do Social Security, disability work, and there's information on there as well. Um, my name is, again, Monica Iro and Karis. I am a proud graduate of the John Marshall Law School there in Chicago. Um, so I am happy um, to, to help, even if it's just pointing in the right direction. Oh, fantastic. Um, and it, it, give that phone number one more time for people. Absolutely. 414-375-1642. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, and uh, when you say John Marshall Law School, I have some really uh, good uh, friends over there. Uh, Professor Singh, he was in constitutional yes. law, was a fantastic, yes. fantastic person. And Judy Munson <laughs> uh, yes. with international law. So those are two, two good friends of mine that, um, uh, you know, I just missed them in this whole pandemic thing. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a great place. It really is. And it now is. it's yeah. UIC, and yes, yes. Uh, I think it's even more affordable. So that's wonderful. Oh, Right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so what do you, what do you think that a veteran, if they are being mistreated, um, you know, whether it's a, a woman who is, you know, uh, coming forward with some of the claims that you were talking about or just in general for, you know, our uh, uh, male and female veterans uh, that they feel like there's some kind of discriminatory practice going on. What, what should they do? Should they go to another provider? Should they, uh, you know, reach out or how, how do they deal with that? You know, there there's a number of ways to deal with that. If you're if you're treating at the VA, and you have you know sometimes they have the colored clinics that you go to. Typically, when you have a clinic that you're assigned to, you also have a social worker assigned to that clinic, and you should demand to speak to that social worker. That would be certainly the first step. Um, there are ways to go through um, your Congress people, um, and they certainly um, want to hear about these types of um, mistreatment and and just ways we can improve on how we treat people in general. Um, excuse me. If you are in a certain clinic, um, you certainly, or, you know, a certain specialty, so if you're being seen for neurology or dental, you should ask to um, get in touch with the chief of that particular um I guess, section of the hospital. Um, and then there's also your regional office. Um, you can go to your regional office and um, ask to speak to someone in regional. Um, regional can be a little bit of red tape. They never want to mm-hmm. give you out quite their uh, direct phone number. But mm-hmm. there are veteran service officers within your regional offices that can point you in the right direction as well. Okay. And, of course, you can always call me. Uh, I'm not... Um, there, there's a national organization called the MVLSP, and there's also, um, and they are out in LA, I believe. And then there's another one called the Veterans Consortium, which I am actually a part of. And those are both nonprofit organizations, and um, they do things such as class action lawsuits. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the um, ACLU of the VA, um, the NVLSP. So they certainly um, help with those types of things as well, where I'm a little bit bound, where I'm I'm dealing with service-connected injuries, and I don't really go much beyond that. The NVLSP and the consortium, not only can they help you with service-connected stuff, but they also can help you with things such as upgrading your discharge paperwork, um, which is a function of the Department of Defense, not the VA. So um, those organizations can help you with things like that. 
they can also bring attention, um, you know, to to um, disparities like we're talking about. And there, you know, if there is something that needs to be like a class action lawsuit, those are the people that you would talk to. So um, it would be the NVLSP or the Veterans Consortium. Both of those are national organizations, but I've had great success personally just dealing with them. And um, if you look up a lot um, of these lawsuits, the NVLSP is the one who is heading them up. So that would be that would be a great resource. Oh, fantastic. And of course, you have you have the the veterans benefits clinics at the law schools. Um, yeah, yeah. Don Marshall has one. Southern Illinois has one. Um, Syracuse has one. I think Harvard has one now. Um, the, those places are certainly um, they're you know chomping at the bit to handle things like this. And you know, I, there's something to be said for experience, but I think there's something to be said for a younger attorney or law school who just wants to sink their teeth into it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they've got the get up and go that some of us don't have anymore. So, you know, sometimes. Well, sometimes, I, I don't think that's your problem. <laughs> I think you thought that go. <laughs> sometimes the determination can just, uh, you know, speak volumes to our experience. So I'd certainly reach out to any of those as well. They've been very successful. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because there was one thing with uh, Yale Law School. I heard they were doing some kind of research on this issue. Uh, I'm not sure of where it went or how, how it's going, but they were looking at discriminatory practices in, um, you know, the VA uh, health care benefits for uh, African-American veterans. And um, been meaning to go back and take a look and see what, if anything, is being published on that. Um, but, yeah, this, this is really great information. How, um, and what do you feel that um, people... Uh, need to know about uh, these practices because you see it uh, from the side of how it's affecting people's lives too. And, um, you, you know, you were just telling one heartbreaking story about that one person with the uh, fibroids and that kind of thing and was going through some, uh, you know, trying to get this uh, connectivity uh, so that uh, people realized uh, what was going on. But what would you recommend for those people who are in service right now or, or, you know, as far as maintaining their records, making sure they um, have things annotated correctly in their records? Um, I mean, I've gone to the VA before where, um, you know, I've had uh, medical care where I don't think they wrote down one-tenth of what I was telling them. I know. <laughs> they were writing down what it. they were thinking and not what I was saying. And so, you know, how, how can we make sure that people, you know, have that uh, connectivity? Well, Obviously, you know, you want to make sure that you have all of your records. So make sure you're continuously getting a copy of your records. Make sure you're a good advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's someone who's a good advocate for you, like your husband or wife, um, bring them along too. Have them, um, you know, tell the doctor or the clinician what needs to be told. But you need to keep good track of your records. If you don't feel like you're getting good care at the VA and you have the ability to go to an outside provider, you should do that and you should make sure that, you know, you have copies of all of those records as well. Um, but one thing I did want to mention um, before we ran out of time is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it has really come to the attention of everybody in this practice area that the military sexual trauma mm-hmm. of the early 80s, um, specifically against black men, um, is a much bigger problem than we ever realized. Mm-hmm. And um, those people that that happened to that, you know, may have some mental health health issues now or even physical health issues, you know, keep fighting the good fight with that. Have your voice heard. I mean, 
if you don't tell your story, we're never going to know. And, and um, it, it's really very heartbreaking. It, it uh, oftentimes is a rank and file sort of situation. Um, but we are seeing military sexual trauma against young black men that happened in, you know, the 80s really coming to the surface right now. Mm-hmm. And um, the government is trying to do studies um, on racial disparities, and they have ordered all the branches of the government, uh, or I'm sorry, of the military, to come up with their, um, basically, their story of it. And I believe the last I heard, the Air Force was the only branch that complied. So we really need to make sure those stories are heard, and you really need to make sure you get any compensation that you deserve. So if you're one of those people, um, and and um, I, I I know that you know it happens across the board. It happens to men, women of every color, but yes, it's just yes, yes. it's coming out um, shocking at a shocking rate that we didn't realize um, from about forty years ago. So you know if you're if you're one of those victims, um, you know and you haven't reached out, reach out to me, uh, you know, I'll be happy to help you get started on that road to recovery. Oh, thank you. You know, that's a, that's a, and again, uh, make sure that you take that phone number down the 414-375-1642. And that's tabakattorneys.com, uh, T-A-B-A-K-A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y-S.com. And, uh, you know, we're, we're running out of time now, but I really want to thank you personally, and I, I want to thank you for what you do for all of our veterans every day. You and your entire uh, Tayback Law Firm are, are a godsend to many people, have helped them off the streets, and have helped them out of uh, really tough situations. Uh, it's not just an issue of physical health. It's behavioral health and mental health as well uh, to restore people's lives. So thank you so, so, so much. And... Um, Monica Ireland Kairos, the veteran benefits attorney extraordinaire with, uh, mm. I added that, I had to add that, uh, with Tayback Law Firm based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with offices located across uh, the USA. Thank you, and um, uh, you know, we, uh, your godsend, 414-375-1642. And stay- thank you, Dr. Arnold, and thank, <laughs> you for, thank you for doing this. Uh, I think it, it's a very important segment you guys did today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And stay with us. Stay with us. We'll be returning in one moment. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Don't be square. Stay here. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit AmericasHG.org.